Hello and welcome to PW KidsCast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Ellen Whitlinger, the author of more than a dozen novels for children and teens, which include Local Girls Swept Away, This Means War, Parrotfish, and Hard Love, which received both a Prince Honor and a Lambda Literary Award. This fall, Whitlinger returns with a middle grade novel, Saturdays with Hitchcock. It's being published in October by Charles Bridge, which is sponsoring this podcast. In Saturdays with Hitchcock, readers meet 12-year-old Maisie, who has a lot going on, both at home and with her friends. Her grandmother is struggling with dementia, and Maisie's free-spirited uncle Walt, an actor, has moved in with the family while he's recovering from an injury. And then there's the awkward makings of a love triangle. Maisie learns that her classmate Gary has a crush on her, and he's hanging around with Maisie and her best friend Cyrus more than ever. Maisie isn't sure she likes the way her friendship with Cyrus is changing, and things get even more complicated when Cyrus confesses that he has a crush on Gary. Uh, Ellen, thank you for speaking with me. Absolutely. Thank you for asking me. So so on your website, you make it pretty clear that there are some real-life inspirations for this story. Uh, can you talk about the how and why of uh, this story coming together? Sure. Um, so the little town that this novel is set in is based on the town that I grew up in, um, which is a small town in southern Illinois. And the Uncle Walt in this story is based quite quite a bit on my actual Uncle Walt, although he was not an actor as this Uncle Walt is. Um, my Uncle Walt was a musician, and he played with big bands in the 50s and 60s and uh, toured all over the country. And when he came home to our little town, um, and then none of us had ever even been on an airplane. And the idea that you know he just seemed to have such a romantic life and... And it was a life in the arts. And I didn't know anyone else at that point who had a life in the arts. I didn't even know you could have a life in the arts. But I learned that by listening to him. And it was so exciting to me. It was not so exciting to the rest of my family. Um, my mother particularly felt that Walt should stay home and help her take care of their aging and um, not always well parents. Um, so a lot of that, I used a lot of that background in this book. It's not actually my most autobiographical book. That would be This Means War, um, which is set in a similar small town in Illinois. But there are a lot of elements in here that I took from things that actually happened to me. So were you around uh, the age that Maisie is when you started to take more seriously the idea that um, you, you could potentially pursue uh, a career in the arts? I was, actually. Um, I think that's the age at which my uncle's lifestyle really began to appeal to me. And I really wanted also to get out of that little small town. I didn't know that I would be a writer at that age. I really wanted to be a painter um, and actually pursued that through college and did not start writing until I get, that's not actually true. I did write at the same time, but I thought that my path was to be a painter and sort of my senior year in college, I kind of started to change that idea um, and switched over and thought more seriously about becoming a writer. Was there a certain turning point that sort of led to that, that moment at the end of college? Well, yes, probably because I um, 
met a young teacher who was teaching at my college. It was a small college in the Midwest. Um, and I mean, similarly to my uncle, he kind of also came from far away and, you know, showed me other possibilities. And he was an English teacher. And he said, you know, your, your poetry is really good. I think you could apply to the University of Iowa Writers Workshop. And I'd never heard of it. Um, and I said, well, you know, I, I really want to be a painter. He's like, I think your writing is probably better than your painting. And it was true. I mean, I was never a very good painter. I just loved sort of everything that went into becoming a painter. So I, I really took that to heart. And um, I think that was probably the moment I decided, okay, I'll pursue this other thing instead. And do you still paint or did you sort of set that aside? You know, I really set it aside. I mean, it's funny. I, I've In my career, I've made a lot of changes. Um, you know, I was a painter. Then I was a poet for many years. Um, that's what I was when I went to graduate school. Um, I started writing fiction. I wrote plays for probably five or six years and then came to writing for children and young adults when I had a job as a um, children's librarian and I started reading the shelves and I thought, oh, I have that voice still in my head too, that teenage voice, and I think I could do this. So I, I went through a number of passages before I settled on this one. Well, you know, well, getting to this book, uh, the title refers to Maisie and Cyrus's kind of regular habit of seeing old movies at a local theater on Saturdays. Right. Um, are you a big fan of classic films? Was that a part of your own childhood? Uh, do you have a local theater where you're, you're still doing this sort of thing? Well, there is a local theater near me now that I do go to see old movies. I do. I have always liked old movies, although I don't think I started as young as Maisie. Um, the Lincoln Theater, which I refer to in this book, was the theater in my hometown. Um, but it didn't show old movies then. It was just the, the theater that you went to downtown to see movies. I think it's still there. I haven't actually checked in a few years, but mm. I saw that so clearly as the place that would now, in this day and age, be if it was still open, it would not be showing the first-run movies. Those would all be at the mall. But, you know, if somebody really loved movies, that would be the place that, that they would keep going just for their love of film and, you know, hoping that someone else would come in and also love these old classic movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you take the opportunity to work some of your own personal favorites into the book? Of course I did. <laughs> and my children's favorites as well. And, you know, that was actually a lot of fun. I went back and rewatched a lot of movies that I, I knew I loved, but I'd kind of forgotten about them. So that was that was the fun research on this book. So one thing I was struck by in the story is, is kind of Maisie's uh, loyalty, um, you know, Initially, I think she's, it seems like she's kind of seeing Gary as an interloper, you know, why is he hanging around with us? But right. even when her own feelings uh, toward him start to evolve, she starts to feel like it would be a betrayal to her other friend, Cyrus, because right. of what he's told her. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, even though Maisie is narrating, uh, we get a real sense of just how hard it is for Cyrus to confess his crush to her and, and how scared right. he is to open himself up, uh, even to someone he trusts. Right. Um, was that an important detail or aspect for you as you were writing? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I have written a number of novels that have um, gay or lesbian characters and a transgender character, but none that were this young. And even though I know that kids are much more sophisticated in this day and age and are able to um, come out at an earlier age and talk to their parents. 
I wasn't sure that in this little town in Illinois, even now, it would be that easy um, for a child to a child of 12 to come out to his parents or his best friend. Um, the expectations around him would just be very difficult, I think, you know, for him to um, to do that. And so, yeah, that was very important for me to really get that correct. Had you been thinking for a while about um, writing a book with LGBT themes for a younger audience since you had written middle grade before? Yes, I had actually been thinking that that was a place that, that there weren't that many. There are some, of course, but there weren't so many for that those middle grade years. But I didn't actually have a good idea of what that story would be. And I didn't start this book thinking that this would be the one in which that would happen. But I was I, the way I usually work is I write four or five chapters kind of quickly and then try to figure out who my characters are. I know that that's not really going to be the story, but it's just a way of kind of figuring out what they might do. And then that, that triangle with um, Gary Hackett just suddenly, which is often the way it will happen to me, is I'm just sort of typing along and I think, oh, wait a minute. You know, this, this is what is going on in this scene. And I think it was um, a scene where Cyrus is washing dishes and talking to her, uh, to Maisie, and he tells her that Gary actually has a crush on her. And I thought, wait, why? Why is this kind of a poignant scene here? And thought that that's the reason why. So we don't actually find that out until a little bit later in the book. But um, yeah, I don't always know, you know, what book is going to go in what direction. But I was glad that I was able to use something that I'd been thinking about for a while. Well, you know, since this book, as you say, sort of did a take some twists. Were there also some changes that happened after you sort of submitted your, your first uh, version to your editor? Um, did the story continue to evolve from that point? Uh, let me think. I mean, I certainly always do a lot of work in the editing process, but I don't think the story itself changed very much. The I think the ending changed somewhat um, in that I actually, I think initially I had in mind that it was more of a completely happy ending with Uncle Walt um, sort of getting his dreams and things working out sort of better for everyone. And I think I'm pretty sure it was Yolanda who said, no, I don't think, you know, it's not quite that perfect. So I think I, I stepped back a little bit um, there so that the ending is pretty good for everybody, but not perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with Maisie, there's also, I feel like, a strong sense of, of the push and pull between the excitement of change, you know, maybe realizing that, oh, someone has a crush on me, right. um, but then also wanting things to stay the same, especially when there's an unwelcome source of change, something like dementia. Was that right. sort of dynamic also um, something on the forefront of your mind? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that time of your life is so poignant anyway, because everything is changing. And, you know, and maybe it's not for every kid, but for me, the the change from being a child and suddenly understanding how sexuality was going to change the entire landscape was a huge leap. Um, and I, like Maisie, I was in no rush to cross that line 
it just seemed like then you're really, you know, then you just have to deal with the adult world in a different way. And of course, Maisie, she does have to deal with the adult world in a number of ways, um, both with her parents, her mother losing her job and her grandmother, who she adores, um, having dementia. So, you know, I did want to have those different levels of things that she has to deal with in this way. Um, and I do feel like I've a little bit lost track of your question, so I'm going off here. No, no problem. But, um, you know, your book, uh, Parrotfish, actually, I think, turns 10 this year. And I yeah. noticed that an, an edition with some updated language had been yes. released, I think, in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's emblematic of just how much has uh, changed oh, culture? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's changed so dramatically in 10 years. I mean, it's great. I, I'm thrilled that it's, you know, change has occurred this quickly. But... It is also hard to keep up with it, um, and I don't know how many new editions we'll be able to get, but um, I was really glad that Simon & Schuster was willing to put out a new edition and change some of the language that we'd used in the original. Well, if it helps, I, I looked back at our own review, and there's a couple words I would change, too, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can do an updated review, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it yeah. just it's changed. But you know, you you have been, I think it's safe to say, kind of on the front lines of writing LGBT fiction for for children and teens for years. Um, you know, on a small, um, like a more focused side, what's your sense of how the the publishing landscape has changed alongside the the larger culture? Well, it does seem like there's a lot more, um, many more LGBT authors and you know books being published now, which is all to the good. And I, I have to say, I in a way, I feel like. I, I'm going to step back a little bit from it at this mm. point, um, because I am not a lesbian or transgender, and I feel like you now when I started do, writing those books, I felt like there just weren't enough out there, and I had friends and family who were gay and lesbian, and later a transgender friend, and I, I wanted that to be part of the the conversation, but. And now I feel like there are plenty of people doing this work and carrying it forward and, um, you know, they can tell that story. Mm -hmm. Sort of along these lines, um, have there been certain letters or other messages you've, you've gotten from readers over the years that have really stuck with you and made you feel like, you know, I'm glad I was doing these books at this time? Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, you know, one one of the letters I always remember, and, and I've mentioned it in speeches before, is that when Hard Love came out, and that's been quite a while now, but it has a lesbian character, and I got a letter from a girl in California who said something like, I have always been afraid of homosexuals, but after I met Marisol, I realized that they're just normal people. Now, what I loved about that was her idea that she had met Marisol. She had met the character. And, of course, that's the way that people do drop their prejudices. You know, they meet someone. They say, oh, of course, that's a, what was I worried about? What was the big deal here? Um, so that was very exciting to me, that the book had introduced her to a character who she believed was so real that it, it changed her mind. Um, so that was that was maybe one of my favorite letters. And I've gotten a number of wonderful letters from people about Parrotfish, too, just saying, you know, this was the first book that I came across that was about somebody who was like me. Um, 
and it was just so great to find you know something i i could read a book and there was a character that i could really relate to so yeah i mean there are wonderful letters and i'm just always so grateful when people write and tell me their stories and what's next for you book wise is it more middle grade more ya something else well i have another middle grade um coming after this one which is already finished um and i actually I'm not sure. Uh, The thing that I've been doing lately is writing plays. I've kind of gone back to what I did many years ago, um, and I've begun writing plays again. And I'm very excited about doing that. So who knows? I'm kind of following that. For this moment, I'm following that um, energy, and we'll see what comes after that. Sounds good. Well, in the meantime, congratulations on this book, and thanks again for speaking with me. Absolutely. Thank you. Once again, I've been speaking with Ellen Whitlinger, whose middle grade novel, Saturdays with Hitchcock, arrives in October from Charles Bridge. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.